grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, um, every couple knows this conversation. And it goes something like this. So, where would you like to go out to eat tonight? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't care. Wherever you want to go. Uh, how about uh, Chinese? No, I, I don't really feel like Chinese. How about Italian? No, no, I don't, I don't really feel like Italian. But what about, what about that new place on the corner? Oh, I've heard bad things about that place. Um, what, what do you, where do you want to go? I don't care wherever you want to go, right? Well, I don't care wherever you We've all had this conversation before, right? It's painful, but we've all done it. Sometimes you are hungry, but you just don't know what you want. You open the fridge, and you stand there looking at it, knowing that if you keep standing there another five more minutes, something delicious will appear. And so you stand there with the fridge door open. You look in, you're moving past the ketchup and the mustard, and oh, that's been there a while. You put that in the back again some more, pretend you didn't see it, so you don't have to clean it up. Everyone has a hunger. And sometimes it's just not a hunger for food. Sometimes you're hungering for something else. You're longing for something. You're longing for a good relationship. You're longing for success. You're longing for uh, security. You're longing for happiness. Everyone longs for something or someone. And the people in Jesus' day are no different. They're searching. They're seeking. What are they looking for? What are you looking for? Let's find out. It's a text, verse 22 here, 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're not looking for me. You're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So it was a common belief in that day and time that uh, when Messiah comes, he would bring manna from heaven. And so the people see Jesus. And if you remember from two weeks ago, we had the feeding of the 5,000 men. So Jesus feeds miraculously 5,000 men in addition to women and children. And after that miracle, the people want to take Jesus and make him king. And this is not Jesus' goal and objective. So he leaves. And last week, we talked about Jesus uh, skiing, uh, walking on water without a boat. Right? He walks on water. The disciples see him. They're scared. He calms the storm. And they start, start beginning to understand who he is. And in our text for today, the people find Jesus. And they're not quite sure how he got across the, the lake so fast without a boat. And Jesus completely redirects the conversation. Because they're looking... For a king. They're looking from someone who could bring manna, bread. And in that day and era, that was a huge, huge thing. They're searching. They want food. They want a king. This is not why Jesus has come. 
He hasn't come over to, to rule over Israel. He's come to rule over the world. He hasn't come to defeat Rome. He's come to defeat sin and Satan and death. See, these people, they're, they're like a kid who gets a Christmas present. And they unwrap the present. And inside is a great, great gift. And the kid plays with the box. Right, grandparents? You've been there like, oh, this is a good present. This is more money I would have ever spent on my own kids, right? Because this is this grandchild, right? The grandchild gets everything. And they open up the box, and they're like, this is a great box. It's the best box I've ever had. And the fantastic gift just sits right there on the side. This is what the Israelites are like. How come they can't see Jesus or who he is? He's right there. He's doing incredible things. Why are they limiting the king of the world to the king of a small strip of land on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea? Why are they struggling to see him? And I think the issue is this. The people have needs. And they are immediate needs. And the thing about immediate needs is is that... They're immediate. They're right now. You're bummed you're sitting here, aren't you, right? <laughs> They're right now. They have immediate needs. They're pressing. They're stressful. They're no fun. And they see someone who can fix it. You can blame them. It's hard to blame them. But here's the challenge. Here's the danger. When we go to Jesus to just fix our needs, we're missing the point and the signs of who he is and what he wants to do, not just for you, but in you and through you. Now, Jesus certainly invites us to place our needs before him. That's why he teaches us to pray. Give us this day our our daily bread. And daily bread is all that stuff of life. The stuff that, that you need. Shelter. Food. A job. Those are important things. Friends, we need those. Those are important. But when we look to Jesus just for those things and say, Lord, give me that and I'm good. We miss everything that he wants to do in you and through you. The people ask Jesus how he gets to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he completely ignores their question. He goes to the heart of the matter. And he says this, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw a miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. It's a poignant statement. For John, who writes this gospel, all of the signs of Jesus, they point to the nature and the character of Jesus. He's more than a teacher. He's more than a healer. He's more than a provider of food for thousands. He is, he's God in the flesh. This is who Jesus is. And they've missed the signs. And they just want the food. They don't really care who Jesus is. They just want their needs met. And Jesus follows up with these great words. Don't work for food that spoils, but the food that endures for eternal life. What are you working for? What 
are you searching for? What are you longing for? When you lie down at night and think, if only, what pops into your head? If only I had a great relationship with someone. If only had I had a good job, then I'd be happy. If only I was financially secure, I had some, something in the bank, you know, then, then I'd have peace. If only my health were better, then I'd be happy. If only I could fix those kids, then everything would be great. If only I had success. then everything would be good. <coughs> if only. What are you working for? What are you longing for? What are your if-onlys? Uh, Tim Keller, uh, in his book on the Gospel of Mark, he, he quotes someone else. He quotes uh, Cynthia uh, Heimel, who was a writer for the Village Voice uh, paper back in New York City area. And uh, Cynthia knows a number of actors and actresses who are, who are struggling, right? They're, they're working the restaurants, they're getting small gigs wherever they can get them. They're, they're really hustling hard and honing their craft. And every once in a great while, some of them become quite famous and successful. And Cynthia writes this, when they were struggling, like all of us, they said, if only I could make it in the business, if only I had this or that, then I would be happy. But when they actually got the fame they had been longing for, they became insufferable, angry, unstable. Not just arrogant, as you might expect. Worse than that. They were now unhappier than they used to be. They got everything they wanted, and nothing changed. They were still them. The disillusionment turned them howling and insufferable. So here's the hard truth. If your if only doesn't involve Jesus, it won't help. It won't help. It might help for a little bit, but it won't last. It might change your feelings for a short time, but it's just a delay. The if-onlys, they don't work. Rick Warren summarized it this way. He said, God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. And it's a hard truth. Because there are times in our lives, there are many times in our lives, where we would really wish God was more concerned about our comfort than our character. <laughs> Be like, Lord God, I'll figure things out on my own, but just make me comfortable. If only then, Lord. And so Jesus very wisely gets the people to stop thinking about their immediate needs, those things that are pressing, and he says, and he gets them to ask a question, which is fantastic. Jesus loves questions. But they ask the wrong question. They ask this question, what must I do to do the works God requires? And it's the wrong question. They should have seen the signs. They should have seen all those signs, and they should have asked the right question. And the right question is this, Jesus, who are you? But they don't ask that. 
They ask the wrong question. What must I do? And we live in a world that is asking this question. Everybody asks this question. And most of the time, they come up with the wrong answer. Most of the time. And you'll see it best illustrated at a funeral. I'm sad to say. Because you'll go to a funeral or a memorial service, and there'll be people there, and they'll say, oh, this person who passed away was a wonderful person. And uh, she did this, or he did that. Uh, she was so loving. He was so compassionate. Uh, all these great things, good things. They're good things. They're good things. And then they will follow up with this. And so I know this person is in a better place. It's another way of saying, what must I do to do the works God requires? One of the best funeral messages I've ever heard was given uh, when Supreme Court Justice Scalia passed away. His son is, is a Catholic priest, and he gave the sermon for his dad's funeral. No easy task, right? And to give a funeral for someone who's quite famous is, is even harder still. And this is what he said. We are gathered here because of one man. A man known personally to many of us, known only by reputation to even more. A man loved by many, scorned by others. A man known for great controversy and for great compassion. That man, of course, is Jesus of Nazareth. It is he whom we proclaim. Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified, buried, risen, seated at the right hand of the Father. It is because of him, because of his life, death, and resurrection, that we do not mourn as those who have no hope. But in confidence, we commend Antonian Scala to the mercy of God. The people say, what must we do? Because I have to do something to earn this. And Jesus says simply this. Believe in the one God has sent. Jesus says, believe in me. Believe the sky is blue. Believe the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Believe Jesus is God in the flesh who died on the cross for you. Died on the cross for you. He gives you life and forgiveness. And invites you to live for him. This is not to ignore or minimize those needs that we all have. And they're important. But if you go to Jesus to get your needs met, that's all you get. He is a generous God. He will meet your needs. But that's all you'll get. And he wants to give you so much more. Jesus Christ died and rose for you. He created this world for you. Will he not also provide daily bread?
Will he not also daily care for you? Jesus Christ is no quick fix. The daily bread we need for life. We receive the Lord's Supper today. That reminder that Jesus Christ died and rose for you. That presence in, with, and under, that bread and the wine for you. His forgiveness for you. Because we need it. We need him. And this here is Jesus' main point. The more we consume of him, if you will, the more we make him a part of our lives, the more you will know the love of God, the more you know the courage of God, the grace, the strength, and the mercy of Jesus. What must you do? (laughs) Nothing. Just know what Jesus did for you. Because he loves you. So, what do you want to eat today? What are you longing for? What are you searching for? My prayer is simply this. That you would know Jesus. And a lot of you do. Some of you are here and you're just exploring. We're so glad you're here. Some of you heard you're just checking things out, and you are most welcome. We are glad you're here. And some of you are here and, and you've known Jesus all your life. You're baptized as a little baby, and you've been in the family of God. But we struggle. Because those immediate needs are so immediate. We say, Lord Jesus, just fix this. Jesus says, I can do that, but what I really want to fix is you. (laughs) And so, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, can we desire more of you because you love us. Because you came, you died upon a cross, and you rose from the grave that we might know what your love looks like, that we might know what your courage looks like, that we might know your joy. Lord Jesus, that we might know your grace. And Lord God, overflow with that to those around us. We're dying without you. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and praise our God.